This week I'm coming to you from New York, the city that never sleeps but is determined to avoid medication as it's read some quite scary things about the side effects. Mike Browse, the holiday man who does things on his own. New York is always changing from its heyday in the 1950s when merely breathing in its glamorous atmosphere could make people from less exciting places explode to the financial and cultural tumult of the 1980s, which can be summed up in only one word. Breakdancing. It's always been one of the world's most popular holiday destinations, despite having some really unimaginative street names. When they can be bothered coming up with something other than a number, they take a bland, descriptive approach. Park Lane, where people park their cars. Broadway, which is wide. And Wall Street, which confusingly has no walls. The Mike Prowse Solo Travel Podcast is sponsored by Richie Clark. Thanks, Richie. In this episode, I'm going to examine a business which has changed travel. The story of Airbnb starts with the arrival of 23-year-old Zach Waller in New York in 1995. Like many young people, Zach had come to the big city to fulfil an ambition. Murder. Waller's modus operandi was always the same. Break into someone's apartment at night, have a sleep, wake up, and then kill them. Some 58 slayings into his career, Zack broke into the apartment of 38-year-old Moulton Halls. As the software engineer slept, Waller pounced. But weighing just seven stone, he was no match for the former quarterback Halls, and after a tussle, he was at his former target's mercy. The two men fell to talking as they grappled, and intrigued by Waller's pyjamas and hot water bottle, Halls asked him what he was doing. Waller explained his methods and accommodation choices, and Halls had a brainwave. While Waller had broken into New York apartments to sleep, then kill, might not people pay to do the same? But without the killing bit. And thus was Airbnb born. The two men's partnership lasted until 2012, when Waller killed Halls and ate his brain. The other reason I've come to New York is the music. I'm in town for the last ever concert by John Cale, former member of my all-time favourite band, The Velvet Underground. For those of you who've never heard The Velvet Underground, imagine you're listening to The Beach Boys, but you've got a headache. And The Beach Boys have got a headache too. The leader of the group was, of course, Lou Reed. Lou was famous for inventing a game where he pretended to be rude to journalists and they pretended to be surprised. I was fortunate enough to witness this phenomenon at first hand when I interviewed Lou in 2003. Now I can already hear you saying, Crikey, I never had old Prowsey down as a rock hack. And you'd be right. But for a few years in the early 90s, my pager number was one digit different to Tony Parsons. 
and a misdial by his publicist meant that in July 2003 I broke off from a log flume review at Chessington World of Adventures, got on a flight and found myself in the penthouse suite of the Mandarin Oriental Hyde Park, preparing to interview Lou, who was in the middle of touring his new haircut. True to form, Lou kicked off with a little light joshing, pretending to be livid that I wasn't Tony Parsons, before answering every question I asked him by sticking his middle finger up at my dictaphone. When my allotted two hours were up, I left. But I took with me an important keepsake. Lou Reed's pencil. He'd been sharpening it when I came in. He told me he'd chewed the end so he wasn't quite sure if it was a 2B pencil or not a 2B pencil. And, spotting the opportunity for a Shakespearean joke, I recited Sonnet 29, which also addresses issues of doubt and uncertainty. He responded by sticking his middle finger up at the pencil. While he was helping me on with my anorak, I pocketed that razor-sharp memento and immediately wrote about the encounter on my blog. Just search Chessington World of Adventures Log Flume because I forgot to change the tags. This episode of the Mike Prow Solo Travel Podcast is brought to you by Richie Clark. With a promotion on the horizon and a new car in the garage, there's never been a better time to be Richie Clark. At home, in the office or having dinner with friends and his lovely wife, Samantha. Richie Clark. John Cale's playing his farewell show in a tiny club on the Lower East Side. It only holds about 80 people, and I'm proud to say I managed to get a ticket within 15 seconds. How? facts. But seeing my hero John Cale in the flesh is just part of the mission. To come full circle on my Velvet Underground fandom, I will create a piece of rock memorabilia so special it will become an undeniably collectible singularity of protopunk alt-avant-garde rock history. I want John Cale to sign Lou Reed's pencil. Well, I'm in my first Airbnb room, which was advertised as being at the very centre of downtown life in a quirky and unusual location. I'll agree with them on unusual. It's an intensive care bed in City Central Hospital. But I'm not so sure about quirky. This neck brace is quite uncomfortable and I'm not sure I should really be on a drip. Still, I've paid the bloke whose bed it is $30, so I may as well make the most of it and I've had my dinner, which was delivered by a tube directly into my stomach. In America, the average stay in hospital costs more than $10,000. Cheaper than an uptown rental, and they give you drugs, which means less time hanging around in Central Park itching to score. It's a real bargain for the travelling fiend who's chasing the dragon on a budget. My host will be back in the morning, so until then, I'll just top up. My morphine drip and, and drift off. This episode of the Mike Prowse Solo Travel Podcast is sponsored by Richie Clark. 
three A-levels, good degree from a Russell Group University, a growing number of professional qualifications and memberships. Richie Clark. I just discharged myself from hospital. They were amazed at my recovery. However, I've got to say that spending the night in a brace seems to have trapped a nerve in my neck, which has given me a very annoying twitch. Thankfully, New York has a solution. I'm at one of the city's exclusive new all-you-can-eat chiropractors. I'm enjoying a gherkin and some direct vertebrae manipulation. Ready when you are, Chad. Update. All-you-can-eat chiropractors are not a thing. Turns out, it was just a bloke called Chad. It was not his office. He is not a chiropractor. And that wasn't a gherkin. Before catching John Cale's final show, I needed some real food. Winterman's Deli on West 112th Street has all the atmosphere you'd expect from a bustling New York diner. Waitresses on ice skates, a coffee pot brimming with grits, and some wise guys having a pretty heated argument about ham. But I'm here for just one thing. Hi. Uh, Winterman's famous sandwich, please. Great, thank you. Oh yes, uh, so extra custard. Just grab my spoon. Here we go, let's try it. Mmm, that is fantastic. Mmm. Of course, some people say that with its rich appley base and sugary crunchy top, Winterman's famous sandwich is an apple crumble. But to such people, proprietor Arnold Winterman has one response. He tells everyone to leave and closes the deli. Well, I've just spent the night in my second Airbnb, and I must say this was definitely a step up from the first one. Advertised as an ensuite open-plan space in the beating heart of Broadway, I was impressed from the minute I arrived by the building's glitzy yet imposing frontage, the chandeliers and the marble foyer and the general air of opulence. Moving through to the living space, I was welcomed by immaculate vintage furnishings. My host took my payment and left. I spent an hour or so settling in before realising that my apartment is in fact the set of the Broadway production of Hamilton. Incensed, I phoned my host and demanded a refund. She assured me that as long as I stayed off stage for the matinee and evening performance, I'd be okay. And I was apart from one brief interlude during the second half of the evening performance where I forgot and got shot by Aaron Burr, saving Alexander Hamilton's life and depriving the piece of its tragic denouement. All in all, a fun stay, I gave it three stars. And the New York Times gave me four stars, saying, Mike Prowse's debut must surely count as one of the jewels in a tired ensemble performance. Confident iconoclastic dot 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 simply superb prowls is here to stay <sighs> the only downside 
is that thanks to my visit to the fake chiropractor Chad, morphine withdrawal from my hospital stay and spending the night in a bed which is essentially a balsa wood prop, my neck is now even worse. It's developed into a twitch in my arm and so far I've accidentally hailed 18 cabs. I'm here outside the venue. I've been here for nine hours now since five in the morning. I had thought there'd be a crowd, but in fact, it's just me. Oh, and here he is. John Cale's here. John! John, I'm, I'm Mike Prowse. Big fan. Oh, hi, hi. Could you sign Lou Reed's pencil? Oh, yes, I'll sign it. Of course, yes. Ah, Lou loves his pencils. Do you have a pen or something? It was then that I realised my mistake. While I did have a pencil, it was physically impossible for John to sign a pencil with the same pencil. I swallowed hard. I tensed up. And at that exact moment, my twitch kicked in, shooting my arm out uncontrollably. The finely honed point of Lou Reed's pencil made contact with Kale's right cheek and went deep. With a shrill Welsh cry of pain... Kale jerked his head back and ran off, taking Lou Reed's bloodied pencil with him. His diary confirms it. Richie Clark was not there, and anyone who says different will be hearing from his solicitors. Richie Clark. Because everyone's entitled to a fair trial. I've been outside the venue now for an hour but he's not coming back the manager came out and announced that due to John's injury the concert tonight has been cancelled I'm going to head off and look for an Airbnb and if I could have one wish it's that the founder of that company would eat my brain too it's now five months since I recorded the episode you've just heard when I got back, I wrote to John Cale, apologising for stabbing him in the face. Graciously, John replied, returning the pencil and telling me that his horrible experience at my hands had reinvigorated him artistically and he's no longer retiring from music. Unfortunately, my apology came too late for him to remove a song about the incident from his forthcoming album. stage after a lifetime's work to play this show I've come descending from my iron lung then some bloke stabs me in the fucking face Pencil in his hand The smile upon his face It fills my heart with joy But then his arm shoots out I give a frightened shout And my crowd stabs me in the fucking face 